morning, Third Street. Good morning. How y'all feeling today? Lots of, lots of coughs and sneezes in the room. It's that time of year. I get it. It's okay. Be blessed. Be well. The Spirit of the Lord is with you. If you don't know me, uh, I am, uh, my name is Corey. I am uh, one of the co-pastors here at Third Street Community Church alongside uh, my brother KT. Um, and uh, this morning, it is my distinct honor and privilege uh, to get to do my favorite portion that is in my job description, which is bring forth the word of the Lord. As KT was giving announcements just now, I couldn't help but like be overwhelmed with this sense of uh, humility um, that I would be the one that God would entrust to bring the word in a place that is doing so much to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Like There's so much going on. Biggest event we do all year, allowing families to uh, to, to be empowered and to be dignified, to shop for their children, to provide for them to be able to provide uh, a Christmas experience for their for their children. Putting together care packages for our brothers and sisters without home in this homes in this season, as we recognize that the temperature just dropped. Meeting all throughout the week in all sorts of different different places. Many of you opening your literal homes to people to, 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 to come in and to process what is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? There's so much happening that is this body being the hands and feet of Jesus that it is ultimately very humbling for y'all to be looking at me right now, to be entrusted by God to bring his word. And so bear with me as I do my best to give a faithful reading, and a faithful exhortation. We've been walking through this series called Holy and Acceptable. If you've been here with us, say holy and acceptable. Even if you ain't, but you somebody that God woke up this morning and put breath in your lungs, can you say holy and acceptable? We've been walking through this series based uh, we, where we started out, which was Romans chapter 12, specifically in the first two verses that tells us, therefore, brothers and sisters, uh, by, the, by the mercies of God, offer yourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, because this is your true worship. That's a lot to wrap our head around. And so for the last several weeks, we've been walking through very practically, what does it mean to present ourselves as a sacrifice, what does it mean, <clears throat> excuse me, what does it mean to be presented holy and acceptable? What does it mean to worship? You talking about, you talking about that time on Sunday where everybody like singing songs and stuff? No. Worship is much more than that. It's about the way we live our lives. We've been talking about what it means to offer ourselves as worship. We've been talking about what it means to offer our relationships, our treasures, our reverence, our trust. This morning, this morning we bring the series to a close as we talk about what it means to offer God our eyes. Thank you. I'm glad one person's with me this morning. So if you would, open your physical Bibles to the book of Hebrews. It's in the New Testament. We're going to go to the 12th chapter. If you don't have a physical Bible with you and you feel confident in your ability to fight off the temptation of the devil to stay off of Facebook, Snapchat, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and all those other things, text messages, sleeper app, ESPN fantasy football, Yahoo fantasy football for people who still use Yahoo, uh, you know, Whatever else that the Lord uh, uh, wants, wants you to keep your attention away from in this time, you feel free to look there. For everybody else, 
We just look right up here on the screen. This is Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read just two verses today. I tried to bring more to you this morning. I really did. In my preparation, I really tried to like go uh, a, a lot further in the text, but ah, I just couldn't get further than verse 1 and 2. And so we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. We, it's kind of appropriate. We started in Romans 12, 1 and 2. We end in Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. The Word of God says this, Therefore, since we have... Such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. My reaction was disappointing. It was a letdown. It was anticlimactic. At least that's what, that's what my wife told me when I got home last night. After taking our two oldest daughters and their friend to see the Eras Tour movie. My wife says she was underwhelmed with my reaction to old Taylor Swift. Now, I want to be clear about something because this is not my attempt to give a hot take, nor am I being a hater because I know as a body, we pull people from all over the place, which means I know that a decent percentage of you are real life Swifties in action. I get it. So I want to be quick. I want to be quick to qualify my experience and let you know that I didn't hate it. You, hear, you heard me say it, right? Save your Swifty emails for somebody else because I did not hate it. I said the show was good. But the same reaction my wife had, love you, it was better than good. is the same reaction Hannah had when I told her this morning, they both looked at me with the biggest disappointment and said, that's it. Yeah, that's it. It's not that I didn't like it. Look, the show was great. You know what I'm saying? It was, it, it was the perfect marriage of like all these stimulating elements, right? So much going on. At one point, the stage like turns into water and it looks like she jumps in. And I was like, oh, dear Jesus, she just face planted, but she didn't. Somehow she disappeared and it looked like she was swimming on the stage. It was wild, right? It was cool. It was cool. And I like, I like, I like the majority of the eras of her music. It wasn't even that. It's, it's like, like, it's cool. It's cool. It's cool. Yes, yes, I said it. I said it. I listen to particular eras of Taylor Swift and I'm not ashamed to admit it. It's, it's not that I didn't like it. It's not that I didn't even enjoy my time. It's, it's literally, I think my reaction is literally just the fact that I just wasn't where everybody else was. You see what I'm saying? Like, like it's not that I, was like, that I was like, this is dumb, right? Like, I'm not a hater like that, for real. It's just, it's just I wasn't, you know, I wasn't where the rest of the theater was at. And for those of you that have gone and either seen the show in person or, you, or, or you've seen the movie a, a couple times in theaters, you know what I'm talking about. It's, it's people that are big lit in there. They're up out of their seats. They are screaming. Ah! 
right? Like in the movies. I ain't never seen that, except for my wife when we went and saw it. I've never seen that before, right? People are screaming, people are singing along, people are dancing. They're going crazy as if Taylor herself is literally 50 feet away. They're going bonkers. People were literally, I'm not making this up, people were literally crying in tears, having an emotional response. And no matter, no matter how they were reacting, no matter how they were looking, what they all had in common was that their gaze was fixed on Taylor. They were set on what was on the screen. And as a result, they were having an emotional response that they just couldn't help. And I wasn't. Now, granted, maybe as a lot of you have heard me say a million times, it's in the eyes, maybe it's in the eyes. I wasn't looking constantly and consistently with my gaze fixed directly at Taylor. Why? Because I had three little girls with me. I was seeing what they were doing, right? Making sure they're in there dancing and carrying on. They weren't about to fall over the railing or whatever, right? Making sure that that truly shrill scream wasn't coming from one of my kids, right? I was... I might have been checking some scores, too. I might have. I mean, who kicks off at four, dude? Like, that's ridiculous. Right? It's, it's, it's not that I wasn't enjoying myself. It's just, you know, I wasn't there. I wasn't having the moment that everybody else had. And, and last night when I got home and I saw the disappointment in my wife's face, I was, I was sitting there. I, I was laying with my kids, putting them to bed, and I, and I was just thinking... Like, how can somebody even, like, get to that point over, over what we're looking at? Like, how can somebody get to the point of having such an emotive response? Like, to be screaming, to get up out of your seat, for your entire mood and your entire day to be adjusted by whatever it is that you're looking at. To, 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 to talk back to something that, that, can't even, that can't even hear you or respond and your entire thing is just changing. I just, your, your, your whole mood is like, ah, based on whatever you're looking at. And I just, I just don't understand how somebody gets there. Anyway, what time the Cowboys play today? And then it hit me. Ah, I get it. I do get it. See, where our eyes go, so goes our mind. Moreover, there goes our attention. Where our attention goes, there goes our heart. Where our heart goes, there goes our devotion. And what, and what we're looking at gets our attention. And what gets our attention gets our life's investment. We get caught up in the things and we give it ourselves, sometimes subconsciously, right? And see, the author of Hebrews, the author of Hebrews knows this when they paint the picture of our faith and they paint the picture of our spiritual life as a race, right? As a, as, as a marathon. It's not even a short race. It's one of them long ones, Right? As a, as a whole journey, and it's a journey, Hebrews tells us that a lot of people see, that a lot of other people have witnessed that we can also look to, 
There's a whole, it says there's a whole cloud of witnesses. If I had more time, I'd, I'd get into that. Maybe at the end I'll come back to it, but I doubt it. Uh, I, I, I just, I just, like it paints this picture of a spectator's sport where, where you're the one that's running and there's a stadium full of people who's watching how this is going down. And that's the picture that is painting, not of, not of those of us that, or, or the few of us that may be lucky enough to play in front of that many people, a certain sport, but actually of our faith of our spiritual walk, of our spiritual journey. It paints the picture that, that there's a lot of people who will watch and there's also opponents. There's also real life, real world things that are trying to keep you from reaching whatever goal it is that you're trying to get to. There's opponents and then, and then there's also a lot of distractions. There's a lot of stimulating elements going on around us that can, that can pull our gaze that can cause us to look a certain direction and can pull our eyes away from the goal. That's the picture that Hebrews is painting as the author starts off with the recommendation to lay down, lay down those hindrances, lay down the sin that ensnares us. It, 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 it's interesting to me that they, that they created a distinction Actually, it's a little, it's a little like relieving for my own logic that the author creates a distinction, right? It says something is, some things is just straight up sin. Stop looking at that because that's just straight up evil, right? Stop letting your mind and your actions go there because there's no health, there's no life that can possibly come from you going there. And as a matter of fact, it says sin, sin ensnares us. I don't know about you, but I've used that word three more times just now than I ever have in my entire life. I looked it up. Sin, in other words, traps us. Sin entangles us. Sin wraps its dark little arms around us and pulls us to the ground and doesn't let us move forward towards our goal. It says some things are just straight up sin that's pulling you down and it's keeping you from developing spiritually. But there's a distinction here. It says that some things aren't sin, they're just hindrances. Some of us have been justifying what has been getting our attention as like, well, it ain't sin, but it's but it's, it's extra weight, as Scripture more literally says, it's extra weight that is just slowing down our progress towards the goal. Some of these things that, 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 aren't, that aren't sin but, but can be hindrances are things like our habits, our, our, our friendships, our ambitions, our attachments. And what the author is telling us this morning is whatever, whatever is sin, you already know. I didn't even need to start this sentence. We didn't even need to sing. We didn't need to pray. We didn't need to do none of the stuff that we did this morning for you to recognize what is sin in your life and you need to stop doing. But also, there are other things in your life that you may not be recognizing that's weighing down your backpack on this climb. It's adding unnecessary weight to your shoes, to your joints, to your ankles, and it's, and it's slowing you down. And we're sitting here, we're like, I've, 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 I've focused so hard on not sinning, but I just don't feel like, I just don't feel like I'm progressing. That's because you're carrying things that the Lord doesn't have for you to carry. And so, and so the advice, whether it's sin or just a hindrance, the advice is actually the same. 
but we don't treat it the same. Sin, we know we need to throw away. Wait, we're like, well, I can see how long I can carry this. But Hebrews tells us whether it's sin or it's just wait, throw it off. Get rid of it. You don't need that where you're going. What, what right now, other than your spiritual progress, what right now gets your attention? What pulls your devotion? What do you pay your eyes' attention to? And I want you, I want you, I don't expect you to be able to answer this on the spot necessarily, but I genuinely want you to spend time in prayer this week processing how are some of these things, how are some of these extra things pulling me away from spiritual progress? Right? How might they be, even, even the simplest of things, how might this be pulling me away from spiritual project? Because it might be something that, that you don't even, you, you may recognize it's not even evil, but it is taking up a whole lot of my heart, right? Like as I look throughout the week and I think to myself like, dang, like I really don't feel connected to God this week, but, but I sure did learn every, every part of the John Gotti documentary. Wait, you see what I'm saying? Hindrance, right? Some things it calls explicitly sin. Sin is preventing you from growing spiritually, fact, right? Sin, what we need to know with sin is that what we give our eyes to, what we give our attention to does affect our heart. It does affect our body. See, I think, I think, I think a lot of times we tell ourselves like as long as we ain't, as long as, as long as this isn't giving the immediate impression that this is hurting other people, then, then, then it's okay. But the reality is where your eyes go, it, it, it affects your heart, right? And what affects your heart and what affects your body, it, it, it affects you long-term, right? You may think that it's harmless. You may think that it's fine. You may think that, 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 that you, can, you can take it or leave it, come or go as you please until the next time that your body tells you you need that hit of dopamine. And some of y'all think I'm talking about drugs. You may, you may need to know that that is a natural chemical that your body craves. And eventually your body is going to come back for more dopamine and your mind, your eyes are going to tell it where to go to get it. And over a long period of time, that is going to affect you. And it's going to weigh you down. It's going to wrap its arms around you and it's going to stop you from moving forward. That's a fact. It's such a fact that it's a point that's not even belabored in this scripture. The author expects by this point, you get that part. But there's also these other things, these other hindrances. I mentioned habits, right? For some of us, the habit that's keeping us from spiritual progress is just our life rhythms. I actually, yeah, low-key, professionally in the marketplace, this is such an overgeneralization, but a lot of times I make a living kind of off of people's bad life rhythms, right? Because people don't know how to separate work and personal stuff, 
and it all blends together and they have really unhealthy rhythms and everything around them feels like crashing. They get convinced that they need somebody to help them turn it all around when in all actuality, what we need are better rhythms, better time management, right? You want to you, you run around to 15 different things in a day, carry the whole weight, have no stoppage on your job, bring it home with you, be doing it after the kids are in bed and wonder why you're so stressed. Wonder why you can't keep up with what's going on. You want to carry the weight of all of your family's problems, all of your coworkers' problems, all of your classmates' problems, and do all the responsibilities that people have put on you and live up to all these things. And then at the end of the day, be like, oh, but I got to do my devotional. Never mind, I'm too tired. And wonder, wonder why we, we are so unhealthy, right? Our habits, our time management, And sometimes, honestly, straight up, it's just the amount that we check social media. Right? When you wake up in the morning, if the first thing you do, I'm not talking to nobody. I'm just just saying in general. If the first thing you do is like before your eyes even wake up, your hand starts reaching for that phone. And the first app that's opened up is literally anything other than the Bible. My brother, my sister, your habits, you tripping. Can I just leave it there? You tripping. He said, no. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's our relationships weighing us down, right? And I can state the obvious, but sometimes we still need to hear the obvious. Sometimes we keep in, we keep in, we keep in bad company. Sometimes, sometimes we're keeping company that, that we want, but ultimately that company is causing us to, to, to compromise on our values, right? That company is, is, is causing us to, to think a little less critically about how we see things theologically and only how we feel things emotionally, or God forbid I say it, sexually, Right. Some of these relationships is just making us not. It's not that we're it's not that we're overthinking or underthinking these things. We're just not thinking about these things anymore. Right. Well, for some of us, for some of us, it's not that black and white. Right. For some of us, the relationship that's hindering us right now. Is this a keep a real safe zone? Can I like keep it all the way real this morning? Is it? Can I get enough head nods this morning? That okay. for some of us, it's our kids. Can I just am I okay? Am I okay? Like. I just check with my wife real quick. I'm okay. For some of us, it's, it's, it's our kids. These kids, man. I'm sweating now. I don't know where they be getting this stuff. It's crazy. For some of us, it's like, it's like man, it's tough for me to feel God because all I feel is deep anger right now. Like, how you... I'm not even going to get specific. My kids will listen back to this someday and be like, Dad... I'm not, I'm not gonna, but, but let me just tell you, if, if, if your parenting right now is coming from your own strength, it's, it's, it's pulling your heart away, right? Parenting is hard as heck. It's hard as heck, and it's always something. Every time you get through, get through a bully at school, somebody's sick. Every time you get through sickness, somebody needs an extra, an extra amount of something for a fundraiser, a school, or a field trip, right? 
Every time you get through that, then it's somebody's birthday and you got to find a way to give them a quality experience. It's just always something. And if you're, if you're parenting, you're doing those things out of your own strength, that's, that's pulling energy out of your tank. Right. Rather than rather than giving what God gives you to 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 fill up that tank. If you're parenting under your own strength or let me even take this with you, if you're not taking your kids on your spiritual journey with you. Right. You're trying to spiritually evolve. You're trying to give yourself to God. You're trying to do all these things. But your kids, you just realize the depth of Genesis level depravity. When you look at your children, it's because you're not taking them with you when you go. Right. Y'all not talking about you're not talking about what you've been learning from God, what you've been hearing from God, spending time in prayer every night. Let me move on, because sometimes the weight is our ambitions. Sometimes it's these Christians. We love to say stuff like this. It's the season I'm in right now. Right. Y'all chuckling because you've said it. It's it's true, right? It's, it's, just, it's just the season I'm in. I just got to work extra hard right now. I'm moving towards this promotion, Jesus. I'm moving towards this graduation, Jesus. I'm moving towards this fourth kid, Jesus. And, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just the season I'm in. I just have to work extra hard, right? Tell me, um, respected brother or sister, where'd you see Jesus lay that out at? Right? Where'd you see, where'd you see, I'm sorry, I'll look over here so you don't feel like that. Where, where, where do you see, where do you see Jesus lay that out at? Said, no, 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 sometimes it's okay to lay aside the spiritual things if you're in a temporary corporate climb. That's okay. That's okay. It's okay, KT. Don't. Everybody, listen, relax. I love you all. It's me too. Right? Sometimes it's our attachments. See, I don't know if you, if you know this, but, but things change. People evolve. Seasons come along, right? And you can hold on to summer all you want, but all that's going to get you is out here in 10-degree weather, six inches of snow in your slides, your bare feet, your shorts and your T-shirt, and you ain't going to make it. You can hold on to things that God doesn't want to transition over across seasons all you want to. But all that's going to do is hold you back, bring you down. Brothers and sisters, I got to ask, what's pulling your attention? What's pulling your attention away? What is pulling your eyes away from a focus on Jesus? Because that's the central challenge we have in this passage. Verse 2 brings the center of it all. It's the central challenge. The author says plainly, keep our eyes on Jesus. In the face of all that is going on, in the face of everything we got to figure out, in all that we're dealing with, in this season and in the next, keep our eyes on Jesus. It says there's, there's, only, there's only one way to stay the course. There's only, there's, only, there's only one way to drive straight. There's only one way to stay above the snares of every obstacle that desperately wants to pull you down. There's only one way to go straight through those things, to go above those things, to, to, to have the perseverance to overcome those things. One way. It says keep our eyes on Jesus. And it creates another distinction. It says there's Jesus because Jesus is the pioneer. Y'all know I love that. 
And Jesus is the perfecter of our faith, right? Jesus, the pioneer. In other words, Jesus himself is the ultimate example of persevering faith, right? We want to know how to, how to get through something. Jesus already got through it, right? Jesus, Jesus is the leader who delivers his people by being perfected through suffering. Jesus is our leader, not only because he made it through the very suffering that we're dealing with right now, but then he also led other people how to get through it. There's Jesus who, who, who goes ahead of us in our suffering. That's what a pioneer does. He goes ahead of us. And Jesus goes ahead of us in suffering. He says, I know you're suffering because I suffered first. Jesus goes ahead of us in our death. But praise be to him that on the third day, he went ahead of us in resurrecting as well. So that there's victory there too. Jesus, Jesus his, his faithfulness to the Father leads him to a place of humble submission and obedience And that makes him not only the source of our faith, but also the first to to attain our faith's goal as well. Jesus went ahead of us because he knew, he saw the effects that, that, that all of this was having on us, right? Jesus too wept in the face of stress and danger. Jesus, as he approached the tomb of his best friend, of his dead best friend, cried, not because he didn't know what was possible at the time, and that was a revelation to him too, but he cried because of the full effect that this death had taken on an entire community. Jesus knew the suffering. Jesus saw the pain, and Jesus went through it so that we had someone to follow through it. A lot of us are out here looking a lot of us are out here looking for somebody to show us how to, how to make it through. And what Hebrews tells us is that there's only one. You ever, uh, you ever been in the room with two people or more and somebody over here says something crazy about somebody over there? You know what I'm talking about? Like I'm over here and somebody, somebody on this side says something crazy about somebody on that side. What, what do we do? As soon as we hear him say it, somebody says something crazy. We're, we're, we're all like, what are they going to say back? Let's see how they handle this. KT says something. I, I stand up here while I'm speaking. I say something crazy about KT. I know all hundred and some of y'all are going to be like, how KT going to feel about that? How's he going to react? What does he think about the example that he just used? Why do I sound like this? Right? Because we live right now, we live right now in a society where that is attainable at every turn, right? This like, this like day and age where, where we run, we're not as driven by a story anymore as we are about people's responses to a story, right? We're not as interested at, 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 like, at like the truth about something. We're way more interested in how people respond to truth. Well, how does that truth make this person feel? Ooh, they just shared their truth on Twitter. Let me go follow the person that they're talking about 
so I can get all the juice and all the tea a second it happens, right? And what happens is that, is that we, just, we just keep doing this right here. We just keep doing this. We just keep watching. Like, there they go. There they go. There they go. There they go, right? This is, this is, this is where we're at. And eventually what's going to happen is, is we're going to get pulled in. And we're going to start giving our own opinions. And we're going to pick a side, right? Oh, look what Stephen A. said about this. But I don't know, though, because Skip over here talking about this, right? Ah, look what conservative politics says about this. But I don't know, because over here, liberal politics saying something about this, right? Well, this is what this, is what this church says and how we should behave. But I don't know, though, because this is what this church says, right? Oh, and it's a war. Did you know there's a war over here? Well, you might not have, because there's also a war over here, right? And it's, and it's pulling our sides in. And whose side are you on, right? Whose side are you on? And what's your hot take? We're driven by this. We live for this, right? Who is going to feel what about all of the stuff that's happening? And we just keep going like this. And eventually, we're going to need a chiropractor. And we're going to lose our sense of centering. Even as I keep doing this, I'm getting a little bit dizzy. And I say that not to break the moment with humor, but to be honest about the fact that more that we keep going back and forth, the more we give ourselves to the back and forth of a moment, the more we lose our centering the more we lose our focus on what was supposed to be in the middle, where our gaze was supposed to be fixed, right? Proverbs says it explicitly. It says, let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. It says, don't turn to the right or the left. Keep your feet away from evil. See where your eyes go, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. So what do we do then, right? The apostle Paul says it this way. He says, so what I need you to do is I need you to imitate not the right. I need you to imitate not the left. I need you to not imitate the thing that just keeps going doop, 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 doop. I need you to imitate me because what you should know about me is that I'm imitating Christ, right? Stay focused on Christ. Stay focused on the middle. What's Jesus doing? What's Jesus's reaction, right? The apostle Paul also says in Colossians, he says, therefore as God's chosen ones, did you know that you're chosen? As God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentle, and patience. He goes on, but where does he get that? Because that's what Jesus did. In other words, in the face of all the stuff that's going on, all the back and forth, all the ways to turn our attention, all the ways to get this instant gratification of who thinks what, who does what, how do I get through this? Keep your eyes on Jesus. The best thing we can do is get to know Jesus. I say it all the time. You want to know what God is like? Look at Jesus. You want to know how God wants you to get through? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God thinks about an issue? Look at Jesus. How did Jesus act? What did Jesus say? And ultimately, as we approach closer and closer to our goal, the idea is that we look more and more like Jesus. Not more and more like our favorite athlete. Not more and more like an idealist politician. Not more and more like our favorite social activist. Not more and more like our favorite person on TikTok. Not more and more like these other things. We're not looking to them for our behaviors. We're looking at them for our dopamine fix that honestly we probably need to get away from anyway. We need to look more and more like Jesus. 
my friend Eddie said one time, and I don't think people got it because, you know, sometimes Eddie can say things and just move past and you get it like four days later. He said, it, he said if you want to look like Jesus, you got to look like Jesus. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that made sense, right? But actually it does, right? If you want to look, if you want to appear to have the actions and the emotions of Jesus, then you have to look at the world like Jesus looks at it. You have to look at situations like Jesus would. Well, how do I know that, Pastor? Because sometimes it'd be tricky. You got to get to know him. Scripture's not, you know, like getting too updated. I don't know if you knew that. Ain't no new drops coming. Right? We're not waiting on Galatians, Taylor's version. It's not happening. Right? Scripture is scripture. What Jesus has said, Jesus has said. And what he's revealing to you is consistent with what he's already said. And where does he reveal it to you? In prayer. That thing that you're not making time for because you keep going like this. Right? Get to know Jesus. Imitate Jesus. I got to keep going or else you're going to be mad at me. Hebrews also calls Jesus, it's not just a pioneer that we need to imitate. Hebrews also tells us that Jesus is the perfecter of our faith, right? In other words, he is the one who brings something to a successful conclusion, right? It was a whole lot going on. It was a whole lot up in the air. But upon Jesus's shoulders, we arrive at a successful conclusion, right? He is now the one who enables our perseverance. He is the one through whom we are brought to final glory. He is the one who becomes the high priest that as we stand guilty and shameful, worthy ourselves of the cross, to be put up there, to be hung out, shamed. He's the one that functions as a high priest that says, no, take him down and let him come in here. This is my son. This is my daughter. He's the one. He's the one who makes it possible for a new and living way in connection to God. Not only in our own behaviors, but in our thoughts, in our heart, in all that genuinely transforms us. Right. He gives us not just the perfect example of persevering faith, but he is the assurance through his finished work that those who trust in him will reach a heavenly destination. Since he did all of that, he endured the cross. He knows of your suffering. He has gone through the worst death in world history. He endured it and he went through it. You might be thinking to yourself, that's a lot. Why would anybody subject themselves to that? Especially if they didn't have to. It's for you. It's for me. He endured the cross. Why? How? Hebrews says, for the joy that was laid before him. In other words, what got Jesus through, because I don't know if you knew this, but once upon a time in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he was arrested, Jesus didn't want to go through with it. 
I know that that ruffles some feathers this morning, but you got to know that as, as a man, Jesus was like really unsure about going through with this. He actually really didn't want to. He was so stressed. He was so anxious. He was so, he was so riddled with fear over the situation that he, his body began to have a literal reaction and it sweat blood. And he says to his father, if, if, if it's okay with you, I would like to sit this one out. I would like to not go through this if that's all right with you. But his faith, his obedience led him to say, but if this is your will, I will see it through. Why? Hebrews answers, for the joy that was put before him. What is that joy? That joy is seeing not only himself exalted, but it's seeing you exalted. It's seeing me exalted. It's not only him taking the hand, the right hand, the seat of the throne right next to God, but it's also getting to see you come with him. It's getting to look at you who are also anxious. You who are also depressed. You who are so riddled with anxiety that you sit in your room alone at night and don't nobody know what's going on, but in your honest thoughts, as you spiral towards darkness, you think to yourself, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go through with it anymore. I can't possibly get up and face this one more time. Jesus' joy that was set before him that allowed him to endure was being able to look at you and say, get up. You're chosen. You're included. You're adopted. And yeah, the world is throwing a lot at you. And yeah, it's a lot going on in the face of death. And yeah, it's a lot going on in the face of our world. And yeah, some broken systems that really are jacking you up right now. But did you know that I have something more for you? Did you know that it is part of my purpose to move you forward? Did you know that if you can shed all this off, that if you can fix your gaze on me, you are coming with me. You are moving into an eternal reality where there is no more sickness, where there is no more pain, where there is no more snares, ensnarements of sin. Did I say it right? Because Hebrews recognize it's not all physical, right? It's not all physical, it's mental too. That's why I said Jesus is a pioneer, he's a leader, he's one that we need to physically embody. But he's also a perfecter. Conceptually, I can wrap my mind around that. He, he, he brings me to a successful conclusion conceptually, which means that my eyes aren't always wandering back and forth. Sometimes my eyes go down. Sometimes my eyes go down. I get down on myself and my own thoughts spiral. But this gives us another place to put our eyes, which as Paul describes is, is, is above. It's on the things eternal. Second Corinthians, Paul says, we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen are struggles, our hurt, our pain, all the obstacles in front of us. Paul says it's temporary. But what is unseen, what's unseen? Sometimes we feel like God's provision is unseen. Right. Sometimes we feel like his promise is unseen. Sometimes he himself is unseen. But Paul says what is unseen is eternal. In other words, it ain't never lost. It ain't never been defeated. And it's not gonna. And it's taking you with it. So lift up our eyes and focus. I believe Hebrews would have us quite literally meditate on Jesus. 
It's not just about where you fix your gaze, where you fix your behaviors, how you physically embody him. It's about how you mentally focus on him. It's about the mind's eye. It's about in a quiet time being able to rebuke and limit the other voices in your head that are not from him. And say, instead, I'm going to sit here in quiet and I'm going to meditate on what Christ has done. I'm going to meditate on the fact that, that for the joy that was set before him of including me. For the joy that was set before him of adopting me. For the joy that was set before him of creating a new way for not only me, but all my friends and my family and those who come before me and those who come after me. For the joy of it all, Christ endured for me and for you. That's amazing. I'm going to say this and then I'm going to get out your way. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus himself. I keep saying, look at Jesus, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. I haven't offered you anything from Jesus. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, he says, The eye, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is this darkness? The eye is the lamp of the body. What you look at, what you are drawn to, what you give your attention to physically and in your mind will inform the light that is within. I know you know that the, that the metaphor for, for Christ's church is a body. I want this body to be full of light. I want this body to be full of light, which means its members have got to have our eyes on the right thing. We got to stop looking to the right or to the left. We have to overcome when we're tempted to look down. And where we fix our gaze is on Jesus. Because when you fix your gaze on Jesus, your body will have light. We've got to stop giving our eyes, we've got to stop giving our attention to what is just added weight. Absolutely stop giving it to sin, but also to anything that's just extra. It's just added weight, right? Focus instead on imitating Christ and meditating on Christ. You got to get to know him. Imitate Christ. Meditate Christ. Keep our eye on Jesus. If we keep our eye on Jesus, we will be full of light. And then, and only then, to continue Christ's metaphor, will we be that shining city on a hill that gives its light, shares its light, not only for its own good, for the good of its neighbors. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your inclusion. God, we thank you that you have seen us, that you know us, and that you invite us to look to you. We thank you for the example of Jesus to know how to do it, how to do it. We thank you for the promises and the endurance, the perseverance of Jesus so that we have something to focus our minds on. And Lord, we desperately want to follow you into that eternal reality. So Father, I pray right now that you would 
Give us the courage to let go of the extra weight. Father, give us the strength to accept whatever reality you have for us as we leave things that need to be left alone in the season behind us. Father, give us the endurance to trust you as a provider, as our ultimate provision, as we wonder if we let this thing go, where will our protection come from? Where will our provision come from? Where will our guidance come from? Give us the endurance, give us the faith, give us the trust, give us the hope. Because Father, we are truly repentant, stand in need of forgiveness for carrying it for far too long. Father, our, our eyes have become sick. So we come to you as a healer. And Lord, we dedicate ourselves to following Jesus, to fixing our gaze on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith, because we realize that where Jesus is going leads us not into temptation but absolutely delivers us from evil. We pray these things in Jesus' name. All who believe say, bless up.